Hello friends, welcome to Beyond the News. This is episode 53 being recorded on Friday the 13th of August. Du, 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 du. Unlucky for some, but not for us. Coming up on today's show, it's going to be split into three sections today. News headlines that don't really involve the vaccine. Then section two will be news stories that do involve the vaccine because there's quite a lot of it. And I decided to do a science experiment. I decided to go. I never really go onto Facebook and get into arguments with people. But I decided what would happen if a load of pro-vaxxers that I know got a load of news links that I share on this video on their newsfeed. What would they say to them? How would they respond? Because I think quite a lot of the evidence is quite damning. And they do seem to have the same responses and they do seem to go quiet when you share them certain links because it's but and also they were going to go through it later they also do exactly the sort of things that i predicted they would do about three months ago and uh, you can go and back and listen to the podcast again but this isn't about me going because i'm not going to show any names and i'm just going to show the highlights this isn't about me going um I know more than you do. I can win an argument on Facebook. It's not that about that at all. It's a science experiment to see what do people outside of my usual circle on Facebook think about the evidence on this show. What do they respond? How do they respond back? Um, one, I got some good links back as well. Um, but it's also about everyone's opinion is valid. Everyone's entitled to it. I'm entitled to mine, they're entitled to theirs, and it's okay to disagree. The only way science and society moves forward is if we can politely disagree and get to the bottom of things. So um, I learned something this week, by something on Facebook, potentially, um, and I'll also show you the links where the threads go dead. Um, because I don't really get into arguments, I, they, they just see their points and I just more send links um, sometimes I do because sometimes they just some of them just didn't really get it and I think I had to sort of point it out and I don't mean to be patronizing when I did that and others were just um, they did exactly what I predicted they do months ago with standard sort of stuff I mean it's pretty predictable stuff but this isn't about there's no names there's no um, me bitching about anybody everyone's opinion is valid and I wanted to see what people outside of my comfort zone and the people I usually talk to because everyone I talk to is in uh, agreement with you know pretty much the stuff on this show so people who think that well first of all this isn't a conspiracy theory show it's a conspiracy reality show because I'm not putting forward any theories I'm just putting forward evidence and I think it points to a conspiracy and all the you know you don't need to go into a oh the c word oh, no, 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 you know a conspiracy just involves more than one person and it involves for them getting personal gain and lying so if you don't think people in business and politics collude together for mutual benefit i would say you're more naive than a conspiracy theorist who's totally off the wall thinking uh, that it's all shape-shifting lizards from another dimension out to get us and you better repent because everything's going to go uh, wrong in a year but he's okay because he's going to be raptured up to planet neptune or whatever so to actually say that politicians and banking are working for the benefits of the people 
and not for special interests, I actually think you're more crazy than Planet Neptune Guy. Both nuts, and I have, you know, I, I don't think that I have a great respect for that opinion either way on either of those persons. But yeah, I think you're more nuts than Planet Neptune Guy if you think politicians and business work for our interests all the time and they don't do anything wrong. And I think the evidence that I've covered on this show previously would give you fair reason for that. Also, I am going to debunk a couple of... I say debunk. I'm going to criticise a couple of conspiracy theories because I don't think that they're true and I'm going to tell you why that they're not true. And also, let's not forget that there are people in the conspiracy world that just anything the government say takes it as a lie. Now, I would take that as the default position, as George Carlin says, but you've got to research it. Sometimes they do tell the truth. And I think there's a couple of cases of that that I'm going to go through later. But I just wanted to reiterate, it's not about, nah, 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 I can win an argument on Facebook. It's about, I truly believe we all want what's best for the species and the planet. And the best way to get to the bottom of that is, uh, and I think that this vaccine is bad, and I think there is an agenda that's bad, but I fully appreciate the people who would go onto Facebook and are all pro-vaccine. They honestly think they're doing the best thing for themselves and society. So it's all about remembering that if I'm right, then these people are victims and they need to be helped. They don't need to be... Um, there's no need to get on a pedestal. There's no need to make them feel bad. It's all about coming together to learn the truth. And once we get a consensus on the truth, if that truth is that there is a bad agenda going on, then what can we do about it as a united human race? So that's what section two is going to be about. And section three will be an interview with Deanie from the Vax Control Group. And there was a question... Um, from James on the um, Telegram group beforehand because they'd heard of the Vax Control group before uh, the interview and uh, I dug out the question it's about security and I asked her uh, the question on your behalf James so do join the Beyond the News Telegram group on there that's at Beyond the News Jim so let's get into the news stories to begin with that aren't really vaccine related although the first one is it's by the uh, New York Post and uh, August the 11th. Anti-vax nurse injects 8600 with saline instead of COVID vaccine. That's the police saying that. Now, do you remember on previous podcasts, was it a month or so ago, I pointed out that there was quite a lot of saline solutions going around uh, in different parts of the world. Here's a potential explanation as to one of them. So... Um, were the rest mistakes? Are there other people giving them up? I don't know. So uh, she gave them a false sense of immunity. A German nurse is being investigated for allegedly injecting thousands of people with a placebo instead of the coronavirus vaccine. Based on witness testimony, police investigator Peter Beer said there was reasonable suspicion that the rogue medical professional had administered shots of saline solution to up to 8,600 patients who were slated to receive the COVID jab, Reuters reported. I am totally shocked by this episode, Sven Ambrosi, a local councillor, said of the alarming switcheroo, which reportedly occurred in March and April in Friesland in northern Germany. 
It's unknown why the shot blocker, reportedly a Red Cross nurse, had injected people with blanks. However, she had reportedly broadcast anti-vax views on social media, investigators reported. So I'm going to give you my opinion on this. Uh, I am uh, not going to take the vaccine. I've seen enough to know that I definitely really don't want it now. Do I think those 8,600 people in the next three to five years might come to be grateful that she didn't do that? That's my opinion, yes. It's also my opinion, my body, my choice. I have total autonomy over what goes in and out of my body and everyone has the right to do that. And that includes the right to choose this COVID vaccine. So what this nurse did was legally wrong and uh, I think she should be punished for it because at the end of the day no matter how bad I think this vaccine is if someone comes in for a medical treatment and the nurse takes it upon themselves to give you something different doesn't matter what motives or what you believe that's wrong so um, yeah I think this nurse was wrong to do that and if these German people decide to not have the vaccine after all they you know perhaps they found out now or oh, is it a saline solution and they look at the data and they think oh I'm glad I haven't had it now that's up to them if they decide to still not have it I think in three to five years they'll be grateful that that happened it doesn't take away from the fact that no medical professional has a right to give you a medical treatment or withhold a medical treatment that you've chosen, it, that's wrong. So that's my uh, opinion on that one. And I just want to give a second opinion on nurses in general. I've seen uh, a lot of conspiracy types calling for second Nuremberg trials. And I don't know whether it's the mainstream media cherry picking one or two people or whether this is a parading uh, emotion but they're saying the nurses that administer these shots worldwide should face Nuremberg charges my opinions on that are no they shouldn't uh, for two reasons one I think these people genuinely think they're doing the right thing and secondly um, if you were to go and um, go and take each uh, by the way the 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 Nuremberg, breaking the Nuremberg uh, code uh, like the Nazi doctors did is death so no I don't think we should be hanging nurses uh, I don't think it's morally right and from a practical perspective the NHS is already overrun as it is I don't really think the NHS could you know stand to lose a single nurse as it is right now let alone thousands it's a non-enforceable uh, terrible idea um, now if we've got a baby uh, Johnson Johnson baby powder situation where for decades they know that it's bad and they're withholding that evidence for well whatever reasons um, then those put it this way if there's someone you can prove in the NHS or the medical professionals worldwide that went wow these vaccines are really bad Let's keep giving them to people because we really don't want to face the music. Let's just double down and just keep lying and hope we can lie our way out of this. That person needs to be facing a Nuremberg trial 
but I imagine that's not going to be the nurses that's going to be higher ups in management and decision making so I just wanted to give my opinion on that um, nurses are just following orders and I know the Nuremberg said that that's no excuse but let's be practical and let's be human about this those nurses are good people they do their best if there is any evidence that they knowingly harm someone um, you know they they if there's evidence they go yeah I know these are really bad but I wanted to hurt these people anyway if you get emails like that then yeah put them in front of the Nuremberg trial but the rest help them understand what happens when you get just a mainstream when you just get this almost like a mass psychosis of you're anti-vaxxer or nuts you're bad you know let's put this down to a learning curve to say science is best when we have a free press a free people and by the way the nhs was silenced on covid as well so who knows what was in that i've recovered uh, covered that on the show before so um you know let's just have a little bit of humanity and remember these people thought they were doing the best things and still do right now um and let's save all that talk of nuremberg trials for the people at the top that really deserve it if we can prove that they know these things are harmful and decided to keep doubling down and covering up so just wanted to say that oh and also the the point that um go we need to go and reach out to people we need to get this information out to as many people as possible and regardless of what you think um what should happen to the nurses uh telling people that you're in favor of hanging nurses is not going to open any conversational doorways for you it's not going to open any opportunities to get this information out to more people so you know there's another reason why not to go down the you, you people that talk about hanging nurses are extreme they sound extreme and now is the time for calmness to get out the good rational scientific data that these things are not only not as good as we think but could actually be very detrimental to the species as a whole and let's do it calmly and respectfully next is from the telegraph future covid measures should only apply to most vulnerable says advisor elderly and people with chronic illnesses were asked to shield at home when the pandemic began last year by gareth davis 11th of august Future COVID control measures should apply to the most vulnerable, a government advisor has said at the beginning of the pandemic last year, the blah, blah, blah. Um, Professor Andrew Hayward of University College London's Institute of Epidemiology and Healthcare and a member of the new and emerging respiratory virus threats advisory group, NerveTag, suggested different rules for people in different categories could return. He told the BBC's Radio 4 Today programme, I think generally as we move into a sort of endemic rather than pandemic situation in the potential harm that the virus can cause at the population level is much less we can't really justify such broad population wide control measures and we tend to target the control measures more to those who are the most vulnerable and i think not only in testing but in all sorts of forms of control as we move into a situation when we're coming to live with this virus forever then we target the measures to the most vulnerable rather than having the most disruptive measures um so Germany is to abolish free testing for asymptomatic people from October 11th and Professor Haywards believes the UK should follow suit. Uh, just give you my opinion on that. Yeah, I'm anti-lockdown. I think it 
uh, I've, I've yet to see any evidence it saves lives. I've seen evidence that it destroys it. And I've seen control experiments in Florida and Texas to say that actually it almost looks like lockdown is more harmful um, in terms of ruining people's immunity because they don't get access to sunlight and all that kind of stuff. And um, so not only do I think that lockdown, I've seen evidence to suggest that, well, there is evidence to suggest it's as simple as that. I've covered it on the show that uh, the virus is spread less when there isn't a lockdown. So that nullifies it right there. And plenty of evidence to suggest that lockdown has many detrimental effects, cancer screenings, blah, 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 blah. And that that we've got the science and we've covered that on this show. Um, yeah. So that's my view on that. Let's hope the government listen to that advisor or whether they'll just go, what? You've criticised that we want to lock people in their houses for, you know, every winter season for the rest of, you know, till the sun explodes the next million years. No, you're fired. So, um, or whether he'll, the same person will come back out in a few months' time and go, yeah, well, I said that, but things have got really bad now, so I've changed my mind. So, we shall see. NBC News, 9-11 families to President Biden don't come to our memorial events. Nearly 800 victims, relatives, first responders and survivors are calling on Biden to refrain from attending any memorials over his refusal to release September 11th documents. Right, if there's no conspiracy, release the documents. Uh, for national security, is it, what, 20 years ago? And the same with the JFK files. No, I don't think that's national You know, I can get national security if you've got to pull spies out of somewhere like that, but um, they've had 20 years to get away from that. Um, they've oh, we've got ongoing spies that were still in there. Well, they've had 20 years to complete their mission, uh, finish up or come out because these families want the truth. So, uh, no, it doesn't. 20 years. It doesn't smell of uh, keeping things quiet for national security. It smells of a cover up. And um, the people who uh, did the cover up are still alive. That's what it smells like to me. And the families have had enough. So uh, they've just told President Biden, you know, if you're not going to give us the information, don't come here and say, oh, we got need to honour the families. We need to honour the families by giving them absolutely no information about how their loved ones died, even though they were won it 20 years on. And then I'm going to tell you it's national security. Um, yeah, I'm going to piss on you until it's raining. So um, nearly 800, 1,800 Americans directly affected by the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks are opposing President Joe Biden's participation in any memorial events this year unless he upholds his pledge to declassify US government evidence that they believe may show a link between Saudi Arabian leaders and the attacks. Yeah, there's numerous, numerous evidence. It, it was all called conspiracy theory for the first 10 years and then it was all, you know, Trump, love him or hate him. Uh, I mean, I I like and dislike some of the things he did. He did release some of these files and they show quite a lot. And same the JFK thing, the Surgeon General's report as well. If you haven't read that, JFK Surgeon Report declassified by Trump. There you go. There's your conspiracy. And the rest of the files are still held for national security purposes. So, you know, it really does lend credence that there is an ongoing conspiracy between, you know, because people go, oh, the people that did all the JFK stuff, they're, they're dead. Well, Ford Motors is still alive, you know. But Henry Ford ain't, i.e. the organisation continues with an agenda. Ford Motors, the agenda is to make cars and make money. 
and the other it just has different managers come in different owner, different caretakers come in but all interviewed by you know the current management to say right you're the next person for the job to continue the agenda same thing with a culture and conspiracy of secrecy would it be entirely possible using that role model uh, the victims, family members, first responders and survivors will release a statement Friday calling on Biden to skip 20th anniversary events in New York and Shanksville, Pennsylvania and at the Pentagon unless he releases the documents which they believe implicate Saudi officials in supporting the acts of terrorism. Now we know that the Saudis buy loads of arms from the Americans and the British, I believe. Uh, we know that Trump visited Saudi Arabia as well. Uh, we also know what the Saudi Arabian record on human rights is. Um, the last time I looked, and I didn't look for about five years, and I don't know if it's changed, but um, a woman that was raped could be stoned to death for adultery if she was married. So, yeah. Um, what I'm saying is our people, the Western world, seems to be very cosy with these people that don't seem to respect a great deal of human life uh, and seem to be involved in... In this, So we cannot in good faith and with veneration to those lost, sick and injured welcome the president to our hallowed grounds unless he feels his commitment. So that's even worse. Not only is he keeping the conspiracy going, the, well, the secrecy going, he actually said I'll release him and not. So, you know, there's a lie on top of it as well. So it's not just he's coming in there and going, no, nope, I can't do it for national security reasons. It's coming in and goes, oh, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. Now I'm president, now I'm not. So it's even worse. So I uh, completely understand that. Uh, Calgary TV News. No quarantine for COVID-19 after August the 16th. Alberta to set, set to end restrictions by Stephen Hunt and Tyson Fedor, published on Wednesday the 28th of July. So I'll just read out the headlines in that because I think it's pretty self-explanatory. But something I did want to say, there was a clip going around. I like Stu Peters, the uh, ex-bounty hunter, and I saw his video on BitChute of his show. I do like his show a great deal. And he has some, some very good guests. But he also had on a gentleman who claimed to be responsible for having these things dropped. I don't know. I'm not convinced at that. Yes, it was dropped around the same sort of time. Fair play. But... Mm, I, what he was saying didn't really seem to make legal sense to me and then what the fact checkers were saying to me actually made sense I know I know that the, I usually the fact checkers I look at them laugh because you can just see how false some, this is what they do they usually go right it's 90% true and 10% false here what we're going to do is we'll just gloss over the 90% and act like it's nothing and really hammer and concentrate on the 10% that's wrong on this particular case, I couldn't really find fault with what they were saying. And uh, so I'd be wary of that clip going around the internet. I still don't know what to make of it. But for once, I'm actually going to side with the fact checkers and say, no, uh, I think his name is Mr. King or something. I, I admire what the guy did, by the way. I'm just not 100% convinced that... Um, I also actually believe that he believes it, <laughs> but I'm not convinced he's correct. So um, that was just my opinion on that one. Exclusive. Despite Facebook bias, Breitbart News destroys establishment media on platform. Despite the presence of, of a range of leftist fact checkers, that's in inverted commas as well, with good reason, in my opinion, with the power to suppress... Po well, not my opinion. Uh, go and look at... 
the New York Post articles and the Wuhan lab U-turn. That's not opinion, that's a fact. A month or so ago I covered that. An open censorship of conservative news stories by Facebook. Brightbook News is demolishing its establishment foes on Facebook. New York Facebook has established track record of censoring conservative media. It censored the New York Post twice, first for the Hunter Biden laptop story and then for the negative story about a Black Lives Matter co-founder. Well, not to mention the old... I don't know if they censored it, but they certainly fact-checked and went, now nah, you're wrong on the Wuhan lab thing, and then went, oh, maybe you're not, a year later. It censored Tucker Carlson's page, reducing the Fox News' host reach on the platform little more than a month before the 2020 election. It censored the Wall Street Journal over an op-ed on coronavirus. And it censored Breitbart News for a live video of a press conference. Despite the demonstrable bias over the last three months, the official Breitbart News page on Facebook generated nearly 40 million interactions, more than the New York Times, Washington Post, the Los Angeles Times and HuffPo combined. The following graph, anyway, that's just another example of the mainstream media. It's even losing ground in its, you know, echo chambers of Facebook. Let's face it, a lot of dissenting voices have been silenced or blacklisted on on Facebook, or, or not blacklisted, shadow banned or whatever the call it is. So for them to still lose when your opponent's got one arm tied behind their back, that's just another example that the mainstream news really isn't what it once was. Add to that the television dropping numbers as well. So, And that, that was something else I wanted to point out. It is a reasonable thing to say, well, over 10 years, the mainstream news isn't getting the viewers, you know, because Netflix is much, much bigger than it was 10 years ago. Even though we still have the same amount of channels on there, the Netflix thing is a reasonable point. Well, Facebook's been the same over the last 10 years. Well, the censorship's ramped up. So what I'm saying is, yeah, the mainstream media and the agenda that it's pushing does not have the watchers or readers that it once used to. And that article was dated 5th of August this year. Um, Daily Mail exclusive EasyJet passenger, mu passenger mutiny leads to cabin crew being removed from Gatwick to Malaga flight after hostess called armed police to deal with two young black men who huffed when they were told to put their shoes on for takeoff. Now, my first question is, would she have called armed police if it was instead of two young black men? two old white men so that's question number one and it's entirely possible that she did because she may have just been an overreacting tyrannical i've got a uniform and i've got power and all of this is going to my head hey it could well be um so what i'm saying is she she might not be a racist um she might just be a tyrannical control freak so um so who knows um four officers boarded Flight from London's Gatwick Airport yesterday morning. Passenger Luke Gale, 28, said two men were asked to put on shoes and huffed. So again, you know, it's not like they've sworn at her or anything like that. Uh, after an en masse protest, Captain said replacement crew would come on board. EasyJet said issue arose on board during taxi and feedback is being reviewed. Um, and there's an email that you can contact the journalist. So, um, uh, 
Armed police were called to the flight from London's Gatwick Airport to Malaga after it returned to the gate following an altercation between the passengers and cabin crew during its taxi to the runway. Passengers on the flight say that EasyJet crew overreacted when the two men huffed after they were told to put their shoes on for takeoff because they were sitting in an emergency exit row. So, um, yeah, when the flight reached the gate, a female attendant contacted police to say there were two disobedient passengers on board. So there, there you go. That's, you know, the more power you give people, the more they'll use it. And you add all the security stuff with 9-11 first. Well, not really first. I mean, to begin with, you probably had D.B. Cooper, to be fair. If you don't know who D.B. Cooper is, um, go and look at it. He was, he was responsible for putting it. You used to be able to take a gun on a, on a, on a plane in America until D.B. Cooper um and no one really knows what happened to him after he did his heist the db cooper story i'm not glamour glamorizing it i'm just saying it it's a one of a kind story and i think it's the only one on the federal um the feds chart of the top 10 that they didn't really nail and certainly the only air heist that they never captured who knows what happened to him but anyway it started with him then you had the 9-11 security what i'm saying is when you get to the point of absolute power it's do this do that you're not coming aboard unless you do this do this take your shoes off here search this there uh, no fluids in here you know when it's all like a military operation guess what people start to act like soldiers but with very little leeway black white blunt uh you know and there's also here if you i think it's the stanford institute uh, experiment here this is what i see and that's why you always need to keep power checked you need to own you need to vote in people who are your servants you need to act, vote in politicians who think they are your servants and not your masters and the police are there to protect and serve not censor and um, crack down on your right to free protest and there are a lot of good police out there and i do intend to be interviewing them coming up as well so there you go stanford institute people were split into pr uh, prisoners and guards and the guards got on a power trip there you go that's uh, my opinion on that one next article here dead animals found in suspected satanic ritual in texas wednesday the 12th of may satanic rituals blood removal possibly says wildlife official the bodies of a number of dead animals found dumped by the side of a ride in El Paso, Texas, are suspected to have been part of a satanic ritual. About 15 animals were found dead, cut up and decapitated, close to an intersection in the northeast of the city on Sunday. So, yeah, that don't look like um, your, your cattle mutilations where no one can explain what's going on, Jobby. That looks... Yep. Animal cruelty investigators are working the case. So I did a little search for... Uh, satanic groups in texas and this is what i found from the washington times uh, dated a saturday the 6th of march now i'm not saying these people did the animal things i'm just saying i did a search and this is what i found two months earlier satanists sue for religious right to ritual abortions the satanic temple of texas files suit to defend its religious right to child sacrifice Yep, no, I read that headline outright. Uh, this past week, while the nation was distracted by Joe Biden's dementia-ridden incompetence and Andrew Cuomo's predatory misogyny, the Satanic Temple of Texas filed suit to defend its religious right to engage in child sacrifice as a spiritual temple. The Dallas Observer reports as follows. Um, filed a lawsuit against the state of Texas alleges certain state-mandated abortion regulations violate the religious liberty of its members and violate the temple's religious teachings. 
The Satanic Temple wants its followers to be exempt from such regulations. The temple has members across the country, including in Texas. It's legal to get an abortion in Texas, clarifies the observer, but the procedure is banned after 20 weeks unless life-threatening medical condition involved or the fetus has a severe abnormality. If a person is eligible, the state requires them to get a sonogram and receive paperwork about medical risks, adoption alternatives and developmental stages of the fetus. The state then requires a woman to wait 24 hours after receiving the sonogram and paperwork before she can go through with the abortion. The observer continues, but the temple's members consider abortion a ritualistic practice, according to co-founder and spokesperson Lucian Greaves, who maintains the state regulations disrupt this ritual. We have a distinct kind of procedure for this, said Mr Greaves, and in no part of this do we include getting sonograms or any other medically unnecessary acts as are required in Texas. Therefore, the imposition of these things, we feel, is in violation of our religious liberty. Mr Greaves goes further. The ritual goes like this. Before the abortion takes place, a member of the Satanic Temple will look at her reflection, be reminded of her personhood and responsibility to herself, take deep breaths, focus on her intent and make herself comfortable. When ready, she will say the third and fifth tenant of the temple aloud. Uh, yeah, so there you go. It's a weird world. So, yeah, I won't even offer an opinion on that mad world. I'll say this, though. If anyone, like, I knew, you know, what would you get up to at the weekend? Oh, I went and this guy and described that. I'm, like, I'm not friends with that person ever again. I don't want to be around that person. I think there's some bad energy there, man. But um, moving on to the next section. So... Um, there was debate and I will read out some of the points and this, that and the other. But first of all, I wanted to address a point because I put this video down and it, I got back with a, apparently this guy completely misspoke and I'll read out the fact checker afterwards. Um, so without any further ado, I'm going to play this video. I own, I'm, this is going to be, I'm going to be playing several videos in this section because I quite like it. And I think, let me know your thoughts at Beyond the News at protonmail.com or uh, leave it on our telegram group do you like me playing the videos from around the world the ones that aren't copyrighted so this is um, a mainstream news article and I'm going to mention some of the debates afterwards and because I've screenshotted some of them again no names or anything like that but first of all this was a video that I sent and I'll then got sent back uh, a fact checker on it um, so here is the video to begin with, and um, I'm just going to put the microphone up to the uh, up up to the speakers. So I own no copyright on anything. This is a video that is mainstream news. Um, it's from a, a news channel in Australia. It is then put out on a non-mainstream news site, the Gateway Pundit, uh, which is where I the link. So uh, let's try the video. Um, there are a number of people in hospital. Um, 141 people are in hospital with COVID at present and 43 are in intensive care, 18 of whom require ventilation. So this is a very serious disease. Of those 141, 60 um, are under the age of 55 and 28 under the age of 35. And of the 43 people in intensive care, uh, one is in their teens, seven are in their 20s, three are in their 30s, 14 are in their 50s. 
and 12 are in their 60s and 6 are in their 70s. So this is affecting people of all ages with very serious disease. All but one um, are vaccinated. One person has just received one dose of vaccine. So all but one are vaccinated and that one has received just one dose of the vaccine. So that video for me, it was pretty clear what he said and that was a mainstream video and you checked out that guy was, you know, a, an official bureaucrat. So it's an official bureaucrat on an official mainstream channel giving you numbers. So I put that video out, um, but this is what we got back. AAP.com.au, who I've, who I've never heard of, by the way, um, by AAP Fact Check. So you know my views on them, but I've, I'm, I call it as I see it. I debated, someone sent me this. They didn't just scream names. They didn't just say, nah, 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 nah. they sent me this link back. Good. I like that. This is what I like. I don't like arguing. I like links. Um, a, a Facebook post featuring a slip up by an Australian health official at a press conference has been used to claim that COVID-19 vaccines are literally useless in preventing people from being hospitalised. The post by the Australian page includes a link to the video clip of New South Wales's health's Jeremy McAnulty, M-C-A-N-U-L-T-Y, providing COVID-19 statistics for 25th of July, including a breakdown of the number of new cases of the previous 24 hours. In the clip, Dr. McNulty announces that 141 people are in hospital with COVID-19 and 43 of them, oh sorry, COVID-19, and 43 of them are those in intensive care. He goes on to provide a breakdown of the patient's ages before saying all but one are vaccinated. One person had just received one dose of a vaccine. The post's caption focuses on that line to claim the conclusion is very simple, dear Watson. Out of 141 cases, all but one were injected. Therefore, the fluid injected into the test subjects is literally useless. The video of Dr. McNulty and accompanying claims all, sorry, sorry, that all but one of the hospitalised cases were vaccinated also circulated overseas. Um, the analysis. Uh, where is it? Uh, he later corrected his initial statement in the press conference when asked by a journalist for clarification, saying, I think I misspoke before. He later corrected his initial statement in the press conference when asked by a journalist for clarification. Yeah, I think I misspoke before. So of the 43 people in intensive care units, 42 have not been vaccinated. One person had just one dose of the vaccine. Incomplete vaccine, Dr. McAnulty said. So who knows on that one? But it's my job to call it as I see it. I saw the video. He looks pretty clearly spoken to me. But then again... I make mistakes all the time where I do the exact opposite of that, where, um, you know, you say, oh, it's really important that you don't do that. And then you listen to it back and go, oh, no, it's really important that you do. I can't believe I said that. You just had a love Freudian slip or whatever. So that's entirely possible. I've looked for more videos, can't seem to find them. So I'll keep you updated on that. Did he genuinely misspeak? Entirely possible. I do it all the time. Or did someone have a word with him? I don't know. I have no knowledge of that. But the video's real and where there's a fact checker on it saying that it's, it's the exact opposite. Make of that what you will. Now, here's something that hasn't been fact checked. So again, I'm going to play you a video now. And this is from 
video. Oh, by the way, that last one for the mainstream news, that from the Gateway Planet, I was playing that from Rumble. I own no copyright. If anyone has a problem with the copyright on that, then do email me at beyondthenews at protonmail.com and I will delete that part of it. This, however, is band.video. It's Alex Jones's channel and he has publicly got foregone all copyright. And this is from a uh, meeting. So this is um, Alex Jones at his best. Calm, not ranting, not raving, just bringing you genuine information. So I like Alex when he does stuff like this and I tend to just press the skip button when he uh, slams his fists, gets all angry and uh, has it can be prone to exaggeration. So uh, when he's calm and just playing out you really interesting clips, this is when I like to listen. Uh, I'm going to play the clip of Alex explaining to you what this is uh, because he does it calmly and there is a slight buzz on the clip that he plays it's actually not me for a change uh, there's nothing I can do about it it just is what it is and you'll be able to see the difference when uh, when it comes in but this is a really important video I think so I do hope that it comes out okay there are copies of this video floating around singularly not on band.video so um, you may perhaps be able to find one of them but in the meantime I shall play you this video a powerful video that's gone viral. I got sent this probably 30 times yesterday. I meant to get to it, didn't get to it. I want to air it now here on the Alex Jones Show. From Mount Vernon School Board meeting, Dr. Dan Stock of McCordsville, Indiana, recently appeared at the Mount Vernon School Board meeting. He's a medical doctor to educate members of the school board on the science behind COVID-19 vaccines and masks. And this video needs to go viral. It's posted at InfoWars.com and Band.Video. But here it is. Dr. Dan Stock, uh, 5777 West 7 North McCordsville, Indiana. Um, to, to address your comment, geez, it's hard to believe we're 18 months into this and still having a problem. And I would suggest the reason we still have a problem is because we're doing things that are not useful. And we're getting our sources of information from the Indiana State Board of Health and the CDC, who actually don't bother to read science before they do this. Um, I'm actually a functional family medicine physician. That means I am specially trained in immunology and inflammation regulation. And everything being recommended by the CDC and the State Board of Health is actually contrary to all the rules of science. So things you should know about coronavirus and all other respiratory viruses, they are spread by aerosol particles, which are small enough to go through every mask. By the way, the literature that supports all of that is in a flash drive that we presented to you. It's been given to the secretary. As a matter of fact, it quotes at least three studies <laughs> sponsored by the NIH to that exact fact, even though the CDC and the NIH have chosen to, to ignore the very science that they paid to have done. Um, that is why you keep struggling with this, is because you cannot make these viruses go away. The natural history of all respiratory viruses is that they circulate all year long, waiting for the immune system to get sick through the winter or become deranged, as has happened recently with these vaccines, and then they cause symptomatic disease. Because they cannot be filtered out and they have animal reservoirs, and this is a very important point, no one can make this virus go away. The CDC has managed to convince everybody that we can handle this like we did smallpox, where we could make a virus go away. Smallpox had no animal reservoirs. The only thing it learned to infect was humans. That's why we were able to make that virus go away. That will not happen with this any more than it will with influenza, the common cold, respiratory syncytial virus, adenoviral respiratory syndromes, or anything else that has animal reservoirs. So the reason you can't do this is because you're trying to do something which has already been tried and can't be done. 
Equally important is that vaccination changes none of this, especially with this vaccine. And I would hope this board would start asking itself before it considers taking the advice of the CDC, the NIH, and the State Board of Health, why we are doing things about this that we didn't do for the common cold, influenza, or respiratory syncytial virus. And then ask yourself, why is a vaccine that is supposedly so effective having a breakout in the middle of the summer when respiratory viral syndromes don't do that? And to help you understand that, you need to know the condition that is called antibody-mediated viral enhancement. That is a condition done when vaccines work wrong, as they did in every coronavirus study done in animals, on coronaviruses after the SARS uh, outbreak, and done in respiratory syncytial virus, where a vaccine... I played this because uh, this is obviously in the United States, uh, Mount Vernon by the looks of it, but I also know quite a few people that have got the sniffles this summer and they have been vaccinated. So that's why I thought I'd play this video where he said, you know, there's an outbreak of the sniffles in the summer. Yeah, I know quite a few people that have had the sniffles um, and not all of them have been vaccinated. Uh, but so, <laughs> the ones I know, they, they were around vaccinated people. Now that, you know, the whole self-disseminating vaccine thing is yet to be proven. I'm just calling it as I see it. I know loads of people that have got a summer cold and they've been vaccinated or around vaccinated people. And I'm just calling it as I see it. And that guy brought up that point then. So that was when I thought, I'm going to play this video. Plus, also, he's a medical doctor that makes some really good points. And this is in a public hearing as well. Um, there's loads of people around and he's giving it to like the board. So, so this is a very official setting that he's giving this. This isn't him on his phone. Um, at three o'clock in the morning in his kitchen making a sandwich, sandwich doing this, you know, this is in front of some official people. ...used in a vulnerable individual, done the wrong way, which why it cannot be done right for a respiratory virus, which has a very low pathogenicity rate, causes the immune system to actually fight the virus wrong and let the virus become worse than it would with native infection. And that is why you are seeing an outbreak right now. And in fact, in that flash drive you're going to have coming to you and in the emails with six extra, there will be a study showing that 75% of people who had COVID-19 positive symptom cases in Barnstable, Massachusetts outbreak were fully vaccinated. Therefore, there is no reason for treating any person vaccinated any differently than any person unvaccinated. You should also know that no vaccine, even the ones I support and would give to myself and my children, ever stops infection. In 2014, there was outbreak of mumps in the National Hockey League. The only people who came down the symptoms were the people who were unvaccinated or unknown vaccine status. Boy, that sounds like a great argument for vaccines. But a question that you should ask yourself, knowing that half of the people who came down with symptomatic disease had no contact with an unvaccinated or unknown vaccine status individual, where did they get the disease? And the answer was from the vaccinated individuals. No vaccine prevents you from getting infection. You get infected, you shed pathogen. This is especially true of viral respiratory pathogens. You just don't get symptomatic from it. So you cannot stop spread. You cannot make these numbers that you've planned on get better by doing any of the things you're doing because that is the nature of viral respiratory pathogens. And you can't prevent it with a vaccine because they don't do the very thing you're wanting them to do. 
and you will be chasing this the remainder of your life until you recognize that the Center for Disease Control and the Indiana State Board of Health are giving you very bad scientific guidance. And instead, read the articles that are going to come on the email and are on this flash drive and listen to the people in this audience here tonight who actually have recognized the advice they are getting from the CDC and the NIH is counterfactual. And that's why you're still fighting this with this vaccine that supposedly was going to make all of this go away, but has suddenly managed to make an outbreak of COVID-19 develop in the middle of the summer when vitamin D levels are at their highest. By the way, the other thing that would be necessary, any vaccine restriction to be considered is if there were no other treatment available. And I can tell you, having treated over 15 COVID-19 patients, that between active loading with vitamin D, ivermectin, and zinc, that there is not a single person who has come anywhere near the hospital. And we already have studies that show that if you achieve a 25-hydroxy vitamin D level greater than 55, your risk of COVID-19 death will drop down to through one quarter of the population average for the United States. And there are so that's the doctor saying again all the vitamin D stuff that I've been banging on about for well pretty much all 53 episodes of this show one way or another. Oh and the one that Matt Hancock said um, that was no good based on a study that never existed and he was called out to be a liar there and then. Active treatment trials included on that flash drive that this show the same is true. So if you were going to discriminate based upon vaccine, you should also discriminate based upon 25-hydroxy vitamin D level, zinc taste test response, and probably previous infections, since there are also studies on that flash drive that show that people who have recovered from COVID-19 infection actually get no benefit from vaccination at all, no reduction in symptoms, no reduction in hospitalization, and suffer two to four times the rate of side effects if they are subsequently vaccinated. Therefore, the policies that you are basing on are totally counterfactual. I don't blame this board for that because I know you aren't scientists and you've thought it was reasonable to listen to the CDC, NIH, and the Indiana State Board of Health. But I would encourage that instead you listen to the people out here in this audience and read what's on that data drive. And if anybody here in this board has any questions about anything on that, I will happily come back and sit with you individually if you would like to explain the science behind this. And if you're worried about being sued by somebody because you don't follow the guidance of the CDC and the NIH, I will tell you have a free pro bono expert testimony at your disposal. I will testify in defense of this court, turning down all these recommendations for free at any time in any court. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, so uh, there you go. He's not anti-vax. He's anti this vaccine and he's not anti-science. Uh, he's pro-science and that's why he's anti this vaccine. And he breaks down why. Um, but speaking of more pro-vaccine doctors i've realized that all the time i'm not going to be able to get to all of this this should have really been a two-hour um show so i'm going to, just going to do part two next week breaking down a lot of the other uh vaccine myths um you know of course it's not been an emergency more than emergency approved it hasn't i've got a fact checker from reuters on that i've got loads of information to really break down so this is going to be a second part of that but um, in some of the debates, uh, I really don't have time to break them all down now, and this is more important than some sort of Facebook stuff. I'll go through it all um, next next week. But there was someone, oh, because I put in there, look, I'm not a doctor. I just want to have a nice, polite debate. Well, it's to that effect. Um, I'll give you the exact post next time. And they said, well, why should we listen to you then? You know, and I said, look, we're not listen to me but you should listen to my show because I have people on there that do know what they're talking about and um, he just said so on the on one side we've got loads and loads of doctors and on the other side we've got you with no sort of doctors uh, at all on it so um, what I did was 
because he made the whole debate about um, more um, vaccines in general. I wasn't going to go there, this guy, but he did. So instead he said, you know, and he brought up um, Andrew Wakefield and, you know, if you listen to all the doctors that are anti-vaccine, you know, you know, that's the one. Basically, he was saying, any, you know, there are no credible doctors that are anti-vaccine. So, or, or at least questioning the vaccine. I wouldn't even say anti-vaccine. They're just questioning it. So uh, I played them this video and the thread went dead. There was no response to that afterwards. And uh, so I'm now going to narrate the YouTube video for you. Again, no copyright owned whatsoever, but this is the World Health Organization Global Vaccine Safety Summit in December of 2019, before we'd even heard the word COVID. So I'll narrate it for you and then put the mic up to the speaker so you can hear them speaking, because this is obviously a video designed to be watched, so I'll talk you through it for the stuff that they put up in subtitles and whatnot. So, uh, and we'll do it with the music in the background. On December the 2nd, the 2019 World Health Organization hosted the Global Vaccine Safety Summit. Cameras captured top health officials admitting they don't know if vaccines are safe. And now we have Dr. Heidi Larson, MA, PhD, Anthropologist, Director of the Vaccine Confidence Project. Science that's needed. And um, without the good science, we can't have good communication. So although I'm talking about all these other contextual issues and communication issues, it absolutely needs the science as the backbone. You can't repurpose the same old science to make it sound better if you don't have the science that's relevant to the new problem. So we need much more investment in safety science. I think we cannot overemphasize the fact that this is Dr. Suma Swam in Nathan, MD, Chief Scientist of the World Health Organization and a pediatrician. That we really don't have very good safety uh, monitoring systems in many countries and this adds to the... I'll just say that we don't really have very good safety monitoring systems in many countries and this adds to the miscommunication communication and the misapprehensions because we're not able to give clear-cut answers when people ask questions about the deaths that have occurred due to a particular vaccine and this always gets blown up in the media uh, one should be able to give uh, a, a very factual account of what exactly has happened and what the cause of deaths are but in most cases there's some obfuscation at that level and and therefore there's uh, less and less trust then in 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 the system every time that there Dr. Man Martin Howell Frieder, Coordinator, Initiative for Vaccine Research, Wealth Health Organization. An association, be it temporal or not temporal, the first accusation is it is the adjuvant. And yet, without adjuvants, we are not going to have the next generation of vaccines. And many of the vaccines that we do have, ranging from tetanus through to HPV, require adjuvants in order for them to work. So the challenge that we have in front of us is how do we build confidence in this? And the confidence, first of all, comes from the regulatory agencies, to Marianne, 
when we add an adjuvant, it's because it is essential. We do not add adjuvants to vaccines because we want to do so. But when we add them, it, in, it adds to the complexity. And I give courses every year on how do you develop vaccines, how do you make vaccines. And the first lesson is, while you're making your vaccine, if you can avoid using an adjuvant, please do so. Lesson two is, if you're going to use an adjuvant, use one that has a history of safety. And lesson three is, if you're not going to do that, think very carefully. It seems to me that adjuvants multiply the immunogenicity of the antigens that they are added to, and that is their intention. It seems to me they multiply the reactogenicity in many instances, and therefore it seems to me that it is not unexpected if they multiply the incidence of adverse reactions that are associated with the antigen but may not have been detected through lack of statistical power in the original studies. You are correct. Um, as we add adjuvants, especially some of the more recent adjuvants, such as the ASO1 saponin-derived adjuvants, we do see increased local reactogenicity. The primary concern, though, usually is systemic adverse events rather than local adverse events. And we, we tend to get in the phase two and the phase three studies quite good data on the local reactogenicity. Those of us in this room that are beyond the age of 50 who have had the pleasure of having the recent shingles vaccine will know that this does have quite significant local reactogenicity. If you got the vaccine, you know that you got the vaccine. Um, but this is not the major health concern. The major health concern which we are seeing are accusations of long-term long -term effects. So to come back to this, I'm going to once again point to the regulators. It comes down to um, ensuring that we, we conduct the phase two and the phase three studies with adequate size and with, the ad with appropriate measurement. So in our clinical trials, we're, we are actually using relatively small sample sizes. So this is Dr. David Caslow, MD. And when we do that, we're at risk of tyranny of small numbers, which is you just need a single case of Wegener's granulomatosis, and your vaccine has to solve Walt's, how do you prove a null hypothesis? And it takes years and years to try to figure, to figure that out. So it's a real conundrum. It takes years and years to figure it out. Mm. You know, this is good science that they're saying. Look, there's some problems and it takes years to sort out because you've got to deal with sample sizes and all that kind of stuff. Um, where were these people when the vaccine was rolled out? COVID one. Right. Getting the right, the right size, dealing with the tyranny of small numbers, making sure that you can, can really do it. And so I think one of the, the things that we really need to invest in are kind of better biomarkers, better mechanistic understanding of how these things work so we can better understand um, adverse events as they come up. One of the additional issues that complicates safety evaluation. Dr. Marion Gruber, PhD. Is if you look at and you struggle with the length of follow-up that should be adequate in a, let's say, pre-licensure or even post-marketing study, if that's even possible. And again, as you mentioned... Follow-up in a post-marketing study, 
if that's even possible. Hmm. Pre-licensure clinical trials may not be powered enough. It's also the subject population that you administer the adjuvant to, because we've seen data presented to us where an adjuvant, a particular adjuvant, added to a vaccine antigen did really nothing when administered to a certain population, and it's usually the elderly, you know, compared to, to administering the same formulation to, to younger age strata. So, so these are things which uh, need to be considered as well and further complicate safety and effectiveness evaluation of adjuvants combined with vaccine antigens. I cast back my mind. Dr. Bassi Okposson. To our situation in Nigeria, where at six weeks, 10 weeks, 14 weeks, a child is being given different antigens from different companies. And these vaccines have different adjuvants, different preservatives, and so on. Something crosses my mind. Is there a possibility of these adjuvants, preservatives, cross-reacting amongst themselves? Have there ever been a study on the possibility of cross-reactions from the panel members that you can share the experience with us? Now, the only way Dr. Robert Chen is if you have a large population database like the Vaccine Safety Data Link, as well as some of the other uh, national databases that are coming to being, where the actual vaccine exposure is tracked down to that level of specificity of who is the manufacturer, what is the lot number, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And, and there's uh, initiative to try to make the uh, vaccine label information uh, barcoded so that it includes that level of information so that in the future when we do these type of studies, we're able to uh, tease that out. <clears throat> and, and in order to, be, to, as each time you subdivide, then the uh, sample size gets becoming more and more challenging. And that's what I said earlier today about that we're really only in the beginning of the era of large data sets where hopefully we could start to um, kind of uh, harmonize the databases for multiple studies, uh, and there's actually an uh, initiative underway. Uh, Helen there uh, uh, may want to comment on it. There you go. Well, you've got a large enough data sample now, mate. To get more national uh, vaccine safety database uh, linked together so we could start to answer these type of questions that you just raised. The other thing that's a trend and an issue is... This is Professor Heidi Larson, PhD again not just confidence in providers, but confidence of healthcare providers. We have a very wobbly health professional front line that is starting to question vaccines. And the we have a very wobbly front line that is starting to question vaccines. And she's talking there not just about healthcare providers, but doctors as well safety of vaccines. When the frontline uh, professionals are starting to question or they don't feel like they have enough confidence about the safety to stand up to it to the person asking them the questions. I mean, most medical school curriculums, even nursing curriculums, I mean, in medical school, you're lucky if you have a half day on vaccines, never mind keeping up to date with all this. In medical school, you're lucky if you have half a day on vaccines, let alone keeping up with all of this. 
So um, there's so much more that I wanted to cover today. This should have really been like an even two or three hour special, really. But to those who know me know I always, I'm always optimistic about time. So this will overrun as it is, but I am going to now play the vaccine control group and it, the show will end after that. Next week, I will break in down more detail of the debates I had online, who, um, what was saying what, how it was responded, what made the threads go dead, what was the information they couldn't come back to, that kind of stuff. Um, and thanks for thanks for listening. So apologies that this is over running. There's just uh, clips left, right and centre. There was just no way to do it any other way. But I'm going to try and keep it close to an hour as possible. Do check us out on Beyond the News next week. And I think this is all really uh, important stuff. Uh, at Beyond the News Gym on Telegram. Beyond the News on Facebook, Parlour. And you can check me out on Gab. That's Jim Grant. Thanks very much for listening. I'll now hand you over to the interview. And at the end of that, it will be the end of the show. And now on Beyond the News, we're joined by a representative of the Vaccine Control Group, Dini. What is the Vaccine Control Group and how did you get started? Hi, Jim. Um, so the Vaccine Control Group, or the VaxControlGroup.com, um, got started when we were in a little cooperative um, in Eastbourne and we were all talking about the fact that um, those who were choosing not to be vaccinated were saying that we're in the control group. Um, it just came out as a meme on social media. And we said, well, there isn't actually a control group anymore because the vaccine companies have actually unblinded all the tests and um, given most of the people who weren't vaccinated the vaccine now. So there isn't actually anyone um, doing a long-term uh, trial of those who are unvaccinated. So we said, well, what if we volunteer ourselves to be um, a, um, a control group um, and then we got talking about it and said well, actually a small amount of people wouldn't really do an awful lot of good um, in terms of actually making a difference so why don't we do it for the whole world um, I spoke to um, my husband about it who's a data developer and has the skills to create a database, database for that and he said yes we could do that we could create a database for the world um, that is a control group so we sat down and specced it out. We talked to other people and we got lots of interest and we got some help from an ex-A&E nurse who's helped us develop some questions. Um, and lots of other people have come on board as well and given us advice. And we have created a database that looks at the health outcomes of the voluntarily unvaccinated in terms of their illnesses, um, the treatments they have and their pregnancy outcomes. And we'll be able to compare that data over the long term with the health outcomes of the vaccinated so that we can actually show the difference, um, if there is any, between them. Excellent. Now, this is only regards to the COVID vaccine, isn't it? Not all vaccines. And I understand that you've got some rather notable people on your database as well. And we can talk about some of them. We can't talk about others, but some of the ones we can talk about because they've been public on it on their social media is Dr. Mike Yeadon. So um, how did the Dr. Mike Yeadon joining the group come about? And just to clarify, it is just the COVID vaccine, isn't it? Yes, we are not looking at anything else at the moment other than the people who've chosen not to take the SARS-CoV-2 vaccine. Um, that's all this is about. We're not an anti-vax database in any way. We are purely looking at the health outcomes of people who've chosen not to take that vaccine or 
um, are choosing to delay taking it. And yes, uh, Dr. Mike Heaton actually contacted us um, because he was leaving the country and said he'd like to be in the control group and could we possibly expedite a car to him? Um, and Des said, yep, I'll drive it over to you today. And he did. And he ended up having a very long chat with Dr. Uh, Dr. Mike Eden and his wife, um, who are lovely, lovely people. And Dr. Mike Eden has since come out on, so on um, social media and said that he's an associate of ours and um, has been very supportive of the control group. So we're able to talk about him. We do have other people who've joined us that we can't talk about, but there's some very eminent people within our database. So we've got a lot of very quiet support for what we're doing. So you started down in Sussex, but I understand you are now worldwide. We are. We've only been going for five weeks. Um, it took us about eight weeks to create the database, and then we launched it, and we've been going for five weeks since. And we've got over 20,000 people signed up from around the world, and we've got lots of people in Europe, Austria, Germany, Sweden in particular. Um, but we've also got people in America, in I think 20 states in America, we've got we've got Canada, we've got as far as Bermuda, Indonesia, Hawaii, um, we've got people joining us everywhere and the whole thing with this is our study is looking at the health, health outcomes of people all over the world. We want to be able to look at every sort of demographic and see what the difference is between people who've chosen not to take the vaccine everywhere compared to people who have taken the vaccine in all different sorts of situations. Excellent. So I understand you've joined our Beyond the News Telegram group today and by all means put the links on how to join on the Telegram group. But for listeners as well, please tell them their website and how to join and what to expect when they join. I understand that it's free to join, but if you want the card, then there is a fee involved. So if you could explain the difference between registering for free and the payment options please and how to uh, join uh, via the website yeah so it's completely free to become a participant of the control group um, you sign up at www.vaxcontrolgroup.com that's v-a-x controlgroup.com um, just while you think about how to join on the website and the differences between the payment and the free options, um, also one of my listeners, James, has a question for you that was sent in on the Telegram group in advance actually because he'd already heard of your group and that was about security. So if you could just tell us um, how, how they join, what's involved when they join because they're and how they get the card and the payment fees per quarterly and about security as well please okay right uh, so the database doesn't take any personal identifiers at all we only take the month and the year of birth and we don't take an address we take the town and the city just so that we can do demographics um, the you enter your de your email address and that is highly encrypted um, if you want a, um, to get a card, the membership card, those are available for people who want to become an associate of our cooperative. So the VAX control or the control group um, is a cooperative and there are no shareholders, there are no dividends to be paid and all the money that comes into it will be pushed back out into supporting this project. If you want to become an associate, you get a card to prove that you are um, an associate and the cost is... For an individual, it's £10 to start up 
and then six pounds per quarter but you can cancel that at any point for a family and you can have as many cards and as many dependents as you want on that um, that's uh, 20 pounds to start up and six pounds per quarter and those fees are only involved because uh, you've got to post people the cards and all that kind of stuff there's no dividends being paid or no profits being made is that correct that's absolutely correct. The idea with this project is that this is um, a genuine long-term study and we've got to support that study. We are eventually going to have to employ staff, we've got an office, the machinery costs an awful lot of money, plus the cost of posting out the cards as well. No one's going to be taking profit from this and all, all monies raised are going to go into, prof into projects like, uh, for example, we've been talking to our associates about an unvaccinated blood bank, which we know there is a need for. Um, it's an idea long term and our associates um, who are supporting this will actually be the people who will help us make the decisions about what we want to do. This is one of the ideas and there are lots of other ideas from us and from the associates as well. Excellent. So there you go for listeners. I'm, I always just try and bring you information on options that you have. Um, I don't recommend uh, anything really, uh, I'm just a humble news repeater monkey, but I wanted to give you options that people are starting to do their own things and I too saw those memes about going around about the vaccine control group and I heard long about the vaccine control group going around from different circles and everything like that so it's definitely going out there and it's no wonder that I've heard of it with 20,000 members worldwide. So uh, just to summarise, any closing comments and please do give them the name of the website again. Thank you. So the name of the website again is www.vaxvaxcontrolgroup.com and um, we've had lots of attacks actually on social media but I'd just like to say this really is a genuine study and we really do want to see what the results are of the voluntarily unvaccinated compared to the vaccinated over the long term. It's the only way that we're actually going to know exactly what is whether these vaccines are safe and what the outcome is for those who haven't taken them lovely thank you very much